My name is Edekira, and I'm the producer of the short film documentary, a film called Blacks Can't Swim. The aim of this film is to try and understand why a disproportionate amount of black people and ethnic minorities can't and don't swim. On my journey to find the truth, I have the pleasure of speaking with writer, swimming instructor, and the creator of the children's animated TV series, Rasta Mouse, Mr. Michael D'Souza, AKA Professor Splash. Welcome to In The Deep End with Edekira and thank you for taking the time to come and speak to us about Blacks Can Swim. Um, I have a number of questions for you, Michael, and I'll start with your childhood. Um, I believe you came into the UK in the 60s and I can only imagine that back then swimming, we didn't have the swimming op opportunities that we have today and especially for blacks and ethnic minorities. What was it like um, back in the 60s? Um, <coughs> when, I came in the, when I came in 1960 to London actually and swimming pools were like, um, they had a, they were public baths really. So people used to go and wash their things like that and, and, they, and there was the swimming pool and um, yeah, so that was it basically, yeah, yeah. just people coming to have a wash and, and children mainly playing yeah, around okay. and swimming. Yeah. Did they have the issues that they had in the, the America with race? Um, black people not being allowed into certain pools and things like that? No, no, they, didn't, no. they didn't have that issue? No, that, no, there wasn't an issue at all. Yeah. And, and, and I say that because when I, um, when I did the, a film called Black Can Swim, the film, a lot of people in America asked why there wasn't any kind of racial content in it. And I had to explain that in the UK, it's very different from probably how it is in the States with, with race. Yes. So, family, I guess being a professional swimmer, yes. your family don't have a chance, don't have an excuse not to swim. So your immediate family, I guess every, I think that everyone swims. Well, like my daughter, yeah, my yep. da I've, I've got two daughters, yep. two grandchildren. They all swim and they all love swimming. Okay. Yeah, my, young, my youngest daughter, she, she was swimming since she was about four, three, four. And I must say, I didn't really take credit for that. It was her mother. Okay, because that, yeah. that was going to be my next question. I was going to ask whether it was a conscious decision on your behalf for them to start swimming at an early age. Oh, most definitely, yeah. most definitely. But because I was uh, busy with a certain amount of work, mm. my, my wife took charge of that yeah. but to, to ensure that my daughter could swim properly and was confident. Yeah, that's good. Because um, I have an eight-year-old daughter and, and I always give my wife credit for teaching her for teaching her how to swim. Because yeah. if it was down to me, she probably would not be swimming now. But right. my wife made sure that at the age of two, she was in the pool and she was learning how to swim. Yes. Which I, yeah, which I thank her for. Another thing that keeps on coming up is costs. Yeah. Cost of, um, what do you call it, swimming costs. Yeah. Um, I speak to a number of people who say, I would love to swim. I've got three or four children, but to teach them, it's gonna cost a lot of money. If, and especially with the fear, the fear of swimming, if you uh, have a fear of water, I, I'm guessing that you will have to have one-on-one -on -one lessons. I mean, having an instructor in a group lesson is not going to be able to work. I don't think so. Of course, I, my, I'm having one-to-one -one lessons 
and yeah. I, and if I was to go to a normal swimming um, class with about 20, 10, 15 other people, I would think I would have a problem. But those are very expensive. So how do you think people can overcome that issue? Well, I would, I would, I would really disagree with that, right? Because since being a professional, I created a character called Professor Splash. Now his, his motto is, I'll drop your tears, take away all your fears, and you'll be swimming for years. Now to me that would apply to a group or individuals because it's just a matter of whoever comes in front of you, you've got to help them to, to, to acclimatise to the water. So to me it makes no difference if it's one or ten, if they've all got fear. It makes no difference to me honestly because um, once you use sensible practices and tell people don't, well they're not going to take any silly risk anyway, right? But you, you, you could have a situation where you've got a group because they can play off each other, you see. You know, some person might, their fear might more be more deep-rooted than another person. Some person might be a bit worried about their physique or whatever the case may be. But in a group, I find it can be really encouraging. So I don't, I've never really found that a problem. Since I was teaching for, for many years, my first sort of lessons were group lessons. So, you know, and you had to deal, if you've got a group with five that are really fearful, you've got to deal with them and you've got to make it a, an enjoyable experience. I never really looked at it that way, but that's really, that's good. That's good. Because I'm looking at it from my perspective, because I've only had one-to-one -one lessons. So yes. I thought, yeah. But yeah, what you're saying, that definitely does make sense. So, um, bearing in mind the importance of swimming um, as a life skill, do you think the media should get more involved with encouraging people to learn how to swim? Most definitely. Most definitely. I think, like for instance, if you've got somewhere like Australia, a lot of people swim and it's very much a part of their life. I know the majority of people live by the coast. I understand that. But if you're talking about living in London, there's water everywhere. So I just think it should be encouraged because apart from a life skill, apart from a life skill, it's a lot of fun. It's very, very enjoyable. So yeah, I think it should be encouraged. Another thing about costs, going back to costs, um, you used to teach a lot of affluent people's children. I've yes. Been, so I've been told. Yes, I have. Um, yeah, and yeah. Um, feel, free, feel free to name drop if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you tend to find that a lot of children that can't swim and don't swim are also from the less affluent areas. Yeah. Where, like going back to cost, cost is an issue. Yes. How do we overcome that as a community? Well, well, I think generally you've got to. It'll have to start with the, with the teaching in terms of the the, the lessons that's organised by councils. Or not well, I don't think so much councils now because more private companies. But they've got to set up programmes to make sure that the teaching skills are there. So people that can't really afford it are still getting a good service, can't afford a private lesson, can still get a good service. So yeah. I think that's what the, like these people that take over the swimming, you know, the, 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 the swimming pools and things like that, whoever they are, I don't want to name it, they've got to look at the lessons that they're offering. Yeah, because I've, 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 I did some research and I found out that 75% um, of children that leave school can swim 25 meters, only 75%. But if you go to the deprived areas, it goes down to 42%. Right. So there's big, clearly a big issue there. Yes. 
Yeah, I think it needs to be... I think they need to look at um, bringing swimming on the curriculum more. In schools, it's dropped off. You only swim in certain years or you only start in certain years and you only swim mm. for a term. I think it should be a, a, a vital part of the schooling. Anyway, should, they should attach more importance to it. There's a reason why I call this in the deep end with Edekira, and you find out, you soon find out why. Because yeah. I'm going to go deep. Yeah, yeah. Slavery. Right. So there's speculation that slavery has an impact on how black people um, feel about swimming. Our, our, um, how much we put, in, how much we, we engage with swimming dates back to slavery. Do you think there's any truth in that? Or do you think that's just a, an excuse that people use? I wouldn't necessarily say, I wouldn't say it's an excuse. I think it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a valid reason when, when you think about the relationship that we've had, black people have with the water. For instance, when I went to Gambia, because I went to Gambia quite a few times as, as, a, as a patron of a charity. And one of the things we had to do, we went to, 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 to see Kunta Kinte's family. And one of the things our charity did was, was always erect uh, a flag on the Freedom Pole. Now, the, the, the story behind the Freedom Pole is that when the sh ships or the boats were coming in to, to, to land to dock, that the slaves were given a, a, an offer that if they could swim from the ship to the Freedom Pole, they'll get their freedom. That's why they called it the Freedom Pole. But obviously, it was problems going with crocodiles and hippopotamus and all that in the water. So really, they weren't really being offered a, a, a genuine opportunity for freedom. It just, um, you put them in a more precarious position. So who on earth wants to go in any sort of water when those sort, of, those sort of creatures are lurking? So yeah, I would, I would say, yeah, that's played a big part. And, and, and then historically, parents have been very fearful. So they'll, they'll per, per, you know, perpetuate these stories of don't go in the water, this, that, this, that, because they didn't necessarily want uh, a relationship with water. On that same subject, racism as a black swimming instructor, yeah. did you ever experience any pushback from your colleagues or, from, or even from, from clients because of your race? What I experienced when I first started teaching at Kensington Sports Centre, because my, my first job was to teach at quite a, um, an affluent um, prep school. So what I found that the people that work in there, because I was independent, the people that were working there, the, the swimming uh, teaching colleagues, they weren't helpful at all. In my first job, they didn't help me in any way whatsoever. They didn't try and show me the ropes. No, so, so in fact, in fact it was, I would say there was a lot of uh, jealousy because I don't think they wanted to see a black person on their, on their territory. But um, they couldn't do much really to hold back Professor Splash, to be honest. Couldn't do much. So I'm hoping that things have changed since then. Well, yeah, because people established their self. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, you can, only, you can only put up a certain amount of barriers, mm. but people are breaking down barriers all the time. Now, I think there's a still certain attitude to uh, black blacks being associated with swimming. I still think that we, you know people are not really readily encouraged to 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 be part of swimming. Not really. Hence the blacks can swim campaign. Yes. Um, body structure. 
So we've all had the stereotypes, the stigmas, the myths about the heavy bones and such. Is there any truth in the difference in body structure between blacks and whites that will hinder us from being able to float or swim? Yeah, as, as, far, as, I can, as far as I can see, there, there, is, some, there is something in the, in the body structure in as much as you're talking about muscle as compared to fat. Fat floats much better, muscle tends to sink. So even though some swimmers are quite lean, they don't necessarily, especially in their legs, have no great muscular content, muscular content really. So I think, and that could apply to it. If you're very muscular, you're not, it's very rare you're gonna float. It just depends on the amount of fat you have in, in your body. So, so it's it's so basically it's fat against muscle. Yeah. Not black against white. No. So, no, no, so, no. So that is a complete um, misconception. It's a it's, it's a complete myth. I believe that, so. Yeah. Okay. I agree, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. It is yeah. a myth. Because I was speaking with um, Alice Deering, um, the only black swimmer in Team GB, and she was telling me about a story about a lady who was told by her swimming instructor that. Is because of her, um, her big bottom that she can't she can't swim, and that's why she's having problems. For our friends of mine who've been told by instructors exactly because of your heavy bones. So this is coming from professional people. So hence the reason why I wanted to find out from somebody as knowledgeable as yourself whether it plays a part. Well, what I'd ask myself, what I'd ask is the the, the person that said that about the bottom was a white person addressing a black person. Yes. Well, I'd have to ask if if her bottom was full of lead. <laughs> yeah, because really, yeah. true that. See, I don't know how you could comment on a on a on a on a black body and say it's the bottom when it doesn't make sense. So, what about a white person that's got a big bottom Ooh. then? Because there's white people with big bottoms, yeah, very big bottoms mm -hmm. as well, and they swim very very well. I think it's just a matter of in a situation like that. He probably didn't have the answer for her, mm -hmm. or she didn't have yeah, the answer yeah, for yeah. her. That's all I could yeah. say. It's just an excuse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hence the reason, like I keep on saying, blacks can swim, and we will continue talking about it until this um, the stereotypes, the stigmas are all eradicated. Hair. Um, I know you have grey hair, and and it's it's a big part of your appearance, and you probably heard that there's a lot of black women that use hair as an excuse as to why they don't swim. Yeah. What do you have to say about that? I think, I think from a, a woman's point of view, because their, their, their hair is, is very important, and, and the, as, the, as their appearance, not just the hair, all aspects of their appearance. Um, and I've heard some genuine um, reasons, because I'm not a woman, and I know the hair could get messed up and all that. I've had experience with the hair thing, there's no doubt. Before, when I was first teaching swimming, I've been teaching since 1987 and growing my hair. My hair was very, very, it got long at one point, quite long to about, let's just say here, because I kept it uncovered. There was, an, there was a period in time where people would ask me, have you, have you cut it, have you done this, have you done that? Because it sort of went back up to here. But it was the chlorine that was eating it out. So I had to wear a swimming hat, and I wear a swimming hat all the time. So the water does affect it. The chlorinated water definitely affects the hair. 
Um, and I think maybe those people don't find swimming inviting enough to really for it to clash with their with their appearance. So I can I can understand what they're saying. But I think nowadays they have all different kinds of um, hair, these hair things like swim scarf and it's, such, whereby you don't. You know, no matter how much hair you have, afro, dreadlocks, you can cover it up and it's not going to be a problem with the chlorine. Exactly. People could use it as an excuse, but there is, as you're pointing out, there is no excuse there, no. really. They just, there's just no excuse. Representation. So I was invited to London Metropolitan University a few months back to um, show the film, a film called Blast Can Swim, and do a little Q&A about it. There were probably about 30 people in the class, um, probably about eight of them were black. I asked a question whether they knew of any black professional Olympic swimmer and not a single person could mention a single Olympic swimmer. So basically, um, there's, there's a, I, straight away I see a problem there because we, we, we tend to do what we we see and if something if something inspires us we will we'll do it you know and as someone mentioned in the film you know the tennis um formula one there's always there's a, there's, there's someone there's a black person which everyone looks up to but swimming but there still isn't any one that we can at a drop of hat if i walk down the street and i ask everyone uh, can you mention i'm pretty sure most people won't be able to what can we do what can we do to get uh, eradicate this issue well encourage more black children to swim so if you increase for the want of a better word the pool of swimmers when you get the dropout and you get the dropout you're still going to get more people in so if you've got 100 people swimming and say 60 drop out you've still got 40 to go to another level and then when you go up the levels you might drop on a few more so at the end of the day you'll probably have 10 or even five to, that, that, will reach, that will reach elite status. So that's good enough. I just think it's the, the number of, of, of people uh, are, not, are not sufficient. And, and I think obviously it starts from the home. So if the parents encourage the children to do yes. it, then, then we, we will have a chance. We will get these people to start, yeah. Most definitely, yeah, yeah. yeah. Can you tell us what, you, what you've been up to? of late and what, what we have to look forward to with uh, Professor Splash in the future? Well, well, well as far as um, Professor Splash is concerned, I've been liaising with a, with a friend of mine and we're trying to, I've been try writing a programme to encourage young black and Asian children to get into swimming, uh, particularly obese children, to use it as a, as a form of exercise to get rid of the fat and also to, to, to show that with the right teaching, with the right coaching, you can get good, good swimmers um, that will love swimming because the, the, the main thing about anything you do, anything you teach, it has to be taught with love. If, you, if you're passionate about a subject, that's got to, that's got to be transmitted to your students. I mean, Recently, I've met four, five adults, I mean, you know, aged between 30 and 40, that are taught to swim, right? And they'd approached me and said, listen, we've never, ever forgotten the lessons. 
because we loved it because that's the idea so this project I'm working on we're trying to do it in in in, in Brent it's encourage a group of children we take over a six-week period from non-swimming to loving to swim and to be confident and competent so that's that's the that's the, the next move I'm on I'm also going to um, working on a book called the swimming lesson which features Professor Splash and Rose Meralda and they're concentrating on a, a, a young fellow that's really scared and uh, Rose Meralda says to Professor Splash says to oh, he can't I can't teach him he's going to take forever to teach he'll never learn so Professor Splash takes him on first of all he addresses the fear which I think it's something that's constantly overlooked people the first I think the first mistake that people make is that they think swimming is a physical activity but the thought of swimming is it's a psychological activity when you go for instance you go you go into the pool children people that can swim they'll just go underwater mess about do what they have to do but they're comfortable and that's what you want so you want to be able to do the recognized swimming strokes but the main thing is you want to enjoy the water because as human beings, we really do have a, a relationship. When you see a beautiful beach scene, wow, everybody's eyes open up. You still sell a, you can sell a, sell a holiday mm -hmm. for a couple of grand just by showing a picture of a beach. Off the beach, it might be rubbish. Yeah. The place might be rubbish. But that's a beautiful beach, beautiful water. You want to get in there. And um, that's why I think people need to look at it more, right? I say create a love for the water. So that's, in the future, that's, that's what I'm working on in the, in the near future, to um, try and demonstrate, yeah. demonstrate how it can work, Sim simple stuff. Um, also, I wanted to just point out, right, and the, the example of that was a, a trip I took to Sri Lanka after the, after the tsunami. I was invited by a, an ex-client of mine because she'd gone and seen the devastation in Sri Lanka. She'd known the experience because I taught her four girls who were now working for UNICEF and whatever and whatever. And um, they engaged me and I actually volunteered. It wasn't paid work. And I was there for two months um, working with a, 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 an organisation called Swim Lanka where they put fibreglass swimming pools on the beach, buried in the sand with seawater and it's going teach every single day um, and those out of six, 69 children I got 65 into the water into the, these, these pools that are buried in the sand and also I managed to, 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 to persuade a guy a man called Jeffrey Bauer who's a really famous architect to let me use his swimming pool on, on, on the island and what was wonderful is that None of the local children are allowed in the hotel swimming pools or any pool. So they've never been in a swimming pool before. But I've got all of them in the pool. And as you call, uh, you're, you're in at the deep end. That's exactly where I got them, in at the deep end. Because I'm not, I didn't believe in, in doing it slowly. <laughs> yes, we got the deep end, but you have to know how to conduct yourself yeah. in the deep end. Otherwise, you're going to get in problems. Yeah. So I taught them the real basics the main thing was to get away that fear and they'll realize the water supports them the water will push you up that's the properties of the water so what you need to do what you need to 
understand is how to conduct yourself underwater. You have to conduct yourself properly. This is why when I teach my lessons, I teach the children to be water, like water creatures. Bear in mind we're human beings, right? We ain't got gills, we don't have tails. You adapt yourself because we can emulate certain things. You can act like a dolphin, you can move like a turtle, you can go like a whale, you can move like a fish. Because we've got the brain to do that. A fish can't imitate a human, but we can imitate a fish. So, to me, it has to be encouraged as a magical place, a very peaceful place, because you're at peace when you're underwater, there's no one there. And you can really, really enjoy it. So um, this is what I'm hoping to push forward more in the future to make people more aware. You know, give yourself a bit more knowledge. But simple knowledge, it's not that big technical stuff. You know, like one of the bugbears that I have, for instance, in teaching swimming, people say, oh, well, I could go across the pool and I can do this and I can do that, but I can't breathe properly. I can't breathe in water. There's That's no my problem. But there's no, human <laughs> being, there's, no human, there's no human being that can breathe in water. You need gills for that. So what you need to do is to understand the process. And the process in water is reversed from the process on land. On land, you breathe in and out. In water, you breathe out and in. But when you breathe out, it's voluntary. When you breathe out, you blow out. But when you breathe in, it's voluntary. It's involuntary. Mm. It's natural how your mm. lungs work. In, out, in, out, in, out. So one of the difficulties that people have had, and I said, listen, forget all that. There's difficulties. You go in the water, you get a rhythm. Yeah, You've got your feet to give you the rhythm. So you blow out, you keep blowing out, and you don't do anything. You don't have to take a gulp, and that's the problem. People think they've got enough time to take a gulp. You don't have, have time to take a gulp of air. You blow out and let your body do the rest. You let your body do the rest. So I created a, 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 a simple, just a very simple message for people, right? It's, and it's called the crazy crocodile. And I always say to children, when they come to me, they say they've got a knowledge about swimming. I said, really? Do you know what? The, can you do crazy crocodile? It's frozen. What's that? And I'll have a listen. You bend your arm like a boomerang, stretch it like an orangutan, kick a while, turn and smile. That's the crazy crocodile. <laughs> I like that. Simple stuff. Simple stuff. I don't, and I must be honest, it's a bugbear for me when I see teachers teaching people all the stuff to swim and all the business and all the business but don't tell them the, simply, the simple fact that when you need to breathe, you just tur turn and take a rest. You just turn and take a rest. Right? If someone holds your head underwater for a long time, when you come up, you, take, you will take a gulp. But no one's doing that. You're volunteering to go along. So the important thing is <coughs> the placement of the body and the placement of the mouth in relation to the water so you don't lift your head. You turn your head and there's enough room for the air to go in, and you go back again. So you, when your face is in the water, you're working on rhythm. Blap, 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 blap. 
you do that forever. I couldn't do it. I taught myself it. I couldn't understand the breathing because no one taught me. No one taught me. I taught myself to get the understanding of how to breathe. And I said, because I had difficulty with my legs. So even with the pool boy, I was, I was in a really good position in the water. So when I glided along, I blew out. But I didn't blow out, so I'm exhausted. You have to, you have to treat it like, like petrol in a car. You've got to treat it like that. You know how much petrol you start with. You know what distance you've got to, to travel. So, you know, you're going to, the, to, to, the, to the, the length of the pool. Well, you've got to use it efficiently so when you get there, you're not exhausted. An exercise I developed, the Professor Spress that developed for that was when a child swam a certain distance, I got them to count. Right, count to ten. Well, if they're doing... <laughs> then you know there's something wrong. The breathing's wrong. When you finish, you're supposed to count one, two... Three, four, like that, because you, you're not exhausted. Yeah. You, you, you're using your, your, your economizing with your breathing. You're understanding it. You're controlling it. And this is the problem. I don't see the big, the big difficulty in teaching someone to breathe. I just don't see it. I've got a lot of work to do tomorrow. I have a lesson, a swimming lesson tomorrow morning. I'm, I'm going to take on board everything you said, okay. and I will let you know how it goes. I would really appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> But it's, it's true because I was I was speaking with um, I was interviewing um, Colin Salmon um, a few weeks ago, and he mentioned he said and he said something which stuck with me. He said, "What you cannot control water. Water is powerful, but you must know how to maneuver yourself and control yourself within water. And by doing that, you have to understand water and build a relationship with water, which is very very true. Absolutely. And, and hence the reason why um, at this age." Only now learning how to swim because I now see the benefit and I see, now see it as a life skill that I need to have. It's, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, it's good knowing how to swim. It's good being for the leisure part of it, but for the life skill, it's something that everyone needs to have. So. Well, absolutely. But then, for instance, like, like for instance, they've got treading water. Right? People talk about treading, treading water. That's fine saying that, but why don't you explain to people what it's all about? that the water will support you. If you move and you, listen, if you press down on water, you'll get lift. If you lift up in water, you'll go down. That's why if you want to go to the bottom of the pool, you present the straightest shape possible. If you're going to jump in, arms above your head, you go straight down. Dive in, straight down. But if you want to jump in the water and you don't want to go down, you'll jump in and you put your hand like that and that stops you. So people need to understand the property of water so even if you can't swim you can still be calm if you fall in deep water you can still be calm because you don't have to swim you could walk to the side but you've got to be calm enough to walk to the side yeah pressing down moving forward pressing down moving moving to the edge so this is why i think um this is why i think it's crucially important that people really really recognize the fear and address the fear I always say I, could, I, could, I can recognise fear from 50, 50 metres off. No matter how people pretend and say I'm not scared, I used to swim and this, that, but this happened. No, well, once you tell me this has happened, that means that something's happened in your life, right? That's been some, has been traumatic and you're stuck on the trauma, but you're fooling yourself. Forget that. 
get rid of that. Go under there. So I always say, go down, come up. Go down, come up. You're in control of yourself. You might not be in control. And I agree with what you're saying about Colin. Yeah, because water is extremely powerful. Water can go anywhere. It can penetrate most things. Most things. It'll go in any house, anywhere. You can't, it's a very, it's, it's a, it's a terrible force, like a fire. Fire can go most places, but I don't even think fire can go where water go. Really, because if you if you lock a door with a room full of fire, that fire is not going to get any oxygen. But you can get water there. So this is what we have to know. So you have to try and be as fluid as you can, comfortable as you can, and and um, just understand. Just understand what you must do in water. One of the one of the things I say, for instance, like people say, uh, they want to go underwater and this. I, get, I, I just give them a very simple rhyme. It's called bubbles. Say, so when you go underwater, you must always think, is this something that I should drink? If I don't want to cough and get into trouble, I'll puff out my cheeks and blow some nice bubbles. <laughs> you know, it's simple. And it's simple, it's beautiful. And one thing I will say in terms of black people, because... And I don't want to be a stereotype about this, but we are very joyous in everything that we do. And we, when we do something, we always tend to do it with love and care. And I think the water for us is a beautiful place to express ourselves. And if people realise, but, but I don't know, um, on, say on the highest level, where the attraction would be, because I think maybe on a professional level, people might not think that there's any way of making a living. Because it's a hard, it's a lot of slog. It's a hard slog doing doing um, competitive swimming. It's a hard slog. So people may be looking to say, well, where are the re rewards? How do you? How does the? How does the outcome justify the input? Mm. And and I think that's a question that people. We'll be looking at. I think we are about to turn a corner. Um, the more we talk about it, the more we confront our fears, address the issue and the stereotypes, and dispel the myths. The easier it will become for us to embrace it. Um, and we've got a lot of work to do because this has been going on from generations. But, but I think we've got to start at some point anyway. Well, like people like yourself, you're dealing with it. And I think going around and interviewing different people and going all over the place, you've got, it, it, it will crush those, the, the myth, right? And, and say, no, all right, let's come in and let's, let's do what we could do. They should maybe have a program where there's more black swimming teachers, but taught in a certain way, not, not the same run-of-the-mill standard. I said, I don't want to run down any organisation. You know organisation, especially in England, has set up any sort of program to encourage um, blacks or, or black ethnic or whoever to to either go into teaching or address in schools groups of black children. They've never they've never done it, even though they, it, it's quite easy for them to say blacks can't swim, and it would, it, it's very easy to say that. But why don't you sort of redress the balance? It's almost like in writing because I do writing. They says they, they said there's no there's no diversity. Well, when I heard that. That's why I decided to make Professor, Splack a, a Professor Splash a black swimming teacher. That's why I worked on Rustamouse as a black children's character. 
to show that we make up the glorious tapestry which is the multicultural society that we live in but we have to, got to determine our place we can't have anyone putting us in place we reach where we want to reach no one could stop you reaching to the top because there's always room at the top but if someone says you don't belong at the top well you're not even, you're going to you're not going to strive for that so there's always room at the top strive for the top because you can always contribute and, and, and make a, a valuable contribution. Because there's a lot of us, so there's, there's black coaches doing all sorts of sports, all sorts of activities, astronauts, scientists, all sorts. Yeah, so how are you going to let someone say to you, well, oh, well, blacks don't do that? When you go Caribbean, them big chess lifeguards, they swim across the whole island. You know, they've got the Iron Man thing and they've got the Strong Man thing in Trinidad. They swim all around the island. I went to, I went to Grenada working with the, the Grenada under-19 swimming squad. I loved it. They loved it. I mean, it was all black children of all ages. I went in there to put the fun element into it because that's one thing that's lacking, the fun element. Children love to play. If you get a child that comes to swim, the first thing you know, they're not in any playing mood. Because that's an environment that, that's beyond their control. But I say, no, you have to control yourself in that environment. Know what you're doing. So you go in there, right, you want to do a handstand, do a handstand. You want to do a sausage roll, you do a sausage roll. But know what you're doing. If you do the sausage roll and you don't blow out, it's going to go up your nose yeah. and, you, and you don't want to do that again. You have to know what you're doing. So we teach you the basics and then it's up to you. Run free. Get in that water, run in the water, play a flute in the water, climb a watery ladder in the water. Do what you want in the water, lie on your back, yeah? Got exercise, lie on your back, you say, just to relax yourself. I always get children, if it's women in the back, for instance, or children mainly, say something. Because then you know they're relaxed. You say, lying on the beach, eating a peach. Lying on the beach, eating a peach. And they say that as they're moving along. Once they say that, then you know that they're comfortable yeah. to say it. You know, again, with the treading water business, I always get them to say things. Like for treading water, I don't even call it treading water. I call it octopus rock. So whereby you get the children to do, the, press down on the water to get the lift, do this, say octopus, octopus, octopus rock. Octopus, look at the octopus clock. Octopus spin around the octopus block. Octopus put on the octopus socks and they go like that, and they go like that, and they go like that, and they go like that. Yeah, and they're saying the things all the time. And the, 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 the composure by which, by which they express, yeah. then you know they're being competent or they're not frightened. <laughs> Panic. And that's what you do. You set up these little tests to test how relaxed they are, how comfortable they are. Because you want everybody to be comfortable in the water. This is amazing. Inspiring. Thank you very much. You're most welcome. You're most welcome. Yeah. And I think together, like I said, we, we are we're gonna make a we're gonna make a change. The more we talk about it, the more we um feel comfortable talking about it, yeah, the more it becomes less of an issue to actually get involved in it. Yeah. Um so um like I said, thanks again and um and I'm pretty sure we will we'll definitely be having more conversations in the future. Well, I must say thank you very, very much for inviting me to, to, to 
share my experience. I, yeah, I really, really appreciate it, definitely. Thank you very much.